The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Charges is created by Portal A and Control Media. It's produced by DB Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. This time, a former Suns player who you might remember as T-Rex. More video in just a moment, but this is Rex Chapman's mugshot, and we are learning a lot more about the charges. You're arrested, a pound and a half of crystal meth on you. When did it set in? Like, I'm probably going to jail. I did acid at 12, I did mushrooms at 13, I was addicted to cocaine at 15, and I had money, and I was famous, I had pictures in the magazines. It's a lot of pressure for a young kid. I'm a good person. I'm not like my friends that kill people for fun. Welcome to Charges. I'm your host, Rex Chapman. Today on the show, we're joined by a legend. A name and person so synonymous with skateboarding and its rise to prominence that it might shock you if you don't know it. Christian Hosoy was at the front of a revolution that took place on the blacktops across America and in the world in the late 70s and early 80s. Oh, and he was a pro before he was even able to get his learner's permit. But like so many other young stars in the City of Angels, the demons would come for Christian, and his fall from grace and ultimate redemption are why we're here talking today. This is Charges. Charges. 
Christian, welcome to the show, and thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you very much, Rex, and uh, I do appreciate the intro and, um, you know, these badges of honor that we have of success stories is, you know, it's not always the case. And so being that we're alive, being that we have this second chance, it truly is something that I'm grateful for, and I don't want to take life for granted ever again. I'm with you. All right. Well, Christian, look, I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of my audience probably isn't as familiar Mm -hmm. with the newly minted Olympic sport of skateboarding, which we'll talk about later on. So for someone who doesn't know, explain the world of skateboarding when you were starting out. How'd you fall in love with it? Well, my father was a surfer in the 50s and 60s Hawaii. And so he met my mother in college and they moved, they got married in Vegas, moved to LA. He went to art school. She went to work in Beverly Hills as a secretary in in business. And so I grew up, I was born and raised in LA, Hollywood. And skateboarding in the late 60s and early 70s was hot. It was the sidewalk surfing, you know, it went from kind of like surfers on the beach, cruising around, no waves, to the urethane wheel came out in 73, and that revolutionized skateboarding. And that's when skateboarding took off, and guys like Tony Alva, Jay Adams, Shogo Kubo, all the Z-Boys, the Dogtown guys, were from Venice, Santa Monica area, Malibu, and I was part of that whole scene because my dad was part of the art scene. And so as a young boy at five years old, even when I was born, his friend uh, Jim Ganser gave him a Makaha board because he was, you know, distributing and he was a rep for them. So at six months old, I was being pushed across the kitchen floor on a Makaha board before I could even walk. And when the urethane wheel came out was when things changed and when the surfers and skaters of the day like Tony Alva went to backyard swimming pools, you went from carving the the bottom, the scum line. We call it scum line because that's when there's water. <laughs> right. There's water in a pool and it, it creates a dark line and that's the scum line. Well, you could only go to Scumline with like clay wheels. You could barely go over the light, right? And so now all of a sudden they're getting to the tile, they're getting to the coping, and then they're in the air. And so that's when I came in. I came in at six, seven years old and the urethane wheel came out and we were like, this is incredible. Smooth Cadillacs. They were even called Cadillac wheels. And so we were just ecstatic about how it felt at the schoolyards, down at the beach, Venice Beach, cruising down the boardwalk. And then the you know skate park started opening up during that time. And there was a skate park called Marina Del Rey Skate Park that my dad ended up managing right after, you know, we went there, you know, when it opened. It only lasted probably three years, the park's uh, existence. But during that time was when I sharpened my teeth, got involved in skating, and went from just a little grommet to, and a grommet is a little peep squeak, a little, you know, beginner, to that year got a full page in skateboarder magazine how how old were you i was 11 so 9 i went to the skate park 10 marina opened 11 i got my picture in skateboarder magazine 12 i won the biggest amateur contest and then i turned pro at 14 years old and so that's kind of like my career 
but skateboarding was like surfing on land. And for me, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a surfer, wanted to be Jerry Lopez, wanted to be Larry Bertleman, wanted to be those guys and Buttons and, and Danke Aloha. And so surfing, you got to get up early. It's freezing cold. Like the waves suck. There's a million people out. Like I was like, this, there's no reward in this. Like, you know, I, but I knew that my friends at Ripped, there was this passion that they had that I knew. But when I got on my skateboard, I just emulated surfing. And so I got my surfing fix on land. And that's what drove me to skate every day to become who I obviously became in the skateboard world of the day. But even today, you know, skateboarding is still like in my blood. I got to go. Like yesterday I went, today I got to go. I got to practice for another event this weekend. And so I'm 53 years old and still got to go out and perform in front of 5,000 people. And I tell you, when you're rusty, you're like, I need to like practice. <laughs> Man. That's amazing. And 53. And I know that. And you're about to be 54 next week yep. because I'm 54 on October 5th as well, my no, friend. No, are you serious? Yes. What? <laughs> Birthday buddies. Yeah, That's right. Let's go. Yeah, let's let's go. go. That was a great day in 67. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, yeah, but I, I was, I was, uh, brushing up on you and noticed that what a, what wow. a, what a cool wow. thing. What a uh, but anyway, so I, I'm fascinated. Uh, obviously we, we all are with sort of people that do things at a young age and you were a, you're essentially a prodigy, at least considering to how skateboarding was at the time. Uh, did you know you were that good or was it just second nature? I assume you had and have perfect balance and you're compact and that has to help. But what made you so good? And did you know you were that good? I think there's a lot of circumstances and a lot of things that attribute to being at the right place at the right time. You know, having a father and a mother that was supportive, you know what I mean? And my dad going, you want to go skateboard? I want to go every day. And he's like, every day? He's like, dang, 10 bucks every two hours every day. <laughs> wow. Whoa, I need a second job. <laughs> and then yeah, he was like, wow. he was like, you know what? I'm going to work here and then you'll skate for free. And so he wow. became the manager of the Marina Del Rey skate park and it was my backyard. And so that was now a that's sacrifice dead. That's that, a dead. that I take into consideration when I look at all my kids. I have four boys and just to, you know, see the sacrifice that he made for them you know, and for me, you know, is what I want to do for them. And that's something that really is uh, uh, important. You know, I believe that uh, we as fathers have to, you know, kind of like um, figure out what those ingredients are per each kid. You know, I have multiple kids, and so each kid is differently. And so when I'm thinking about how my father kind of like guided me, told me, hey, you have what it takes. And then my peers or my my mentors like Jay Adams and Shogo and those guys that were at the skate park, they were like, Christian, you got, you got what it takes. And those words, those words light a fire underneath your bottom that no one can put out but yourself. It's only you who could lose confidence. Only you can lose the ability to believe in yourself. 
And and there is an element of talent, there is an element of balance, there is an element of my size, but really, those are just obstacles, and you have to learn how to go over those. And you can, but it just takes passion, it takes de- dedication, it takes discipline, it takes um, dreaming, it takes uh, having goals. And so when I was a young boy, I had big goals, so my father was always shoot for the moon, you know what I mean? And, and, and the, uh, the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to hit a star. You know what I mean? Because if you miss the moon, you'll nail a star because there's a million of them out there. But I aimed for the moon. I didn't settle for a star and I was going to go for it. And Bruce Lee was my idol when I was young. And all I thought about was either being Bruce Lee or Elvis Presley. I was going to be a movie star, singing to girls, you know, playing my guitar on stage, or I was going to be beating everyone up with no shirt on, like clowning them, rubbing my nose, going, come on, what? You know what I mean? You ain't got nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. On the big screen. And so for me, those were my like, you know, that's what I was aiming at. And with my father and all those people around me saying, man, you got this, you got what it takes. I think that's the uh, ingredients every kid needs, every you know, child needs to be able to become a champion. What do you remember? You're 14 and making a decision to turn pro. And what does turning pro in the world of skateboarding mean at that point? You know, turning pro is everything in a skateboarder's career because it's the moment that you're validated, you're confirmed. You're basically awarded that. It's like a degree, right, in school. You get a degree and there's an accomplishment there that has taken place. And for us back in the 80s, a signature model was the pinnacle of turning pro. You had your own skateboard, you designed your own shape, you had your own graphic, and it had your name on it, and it represented who you are. When you showed up to an event, you had your flag, and it was your board. It's like, you know, Ford in his car, Ferrari in his car. It was legit, but could you imagine if the driver could design their own car and have their name on it? That's what it would be like. And today, it's- When you got that first board, what did you feel like when you saw it? Oh, it was a dream come true because, you know, you you dream about it since you first picked up a magazine and now it's happening and you just can't believe it because it's 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 almost like winning the Hall of Fame. It's like almost winning that one thing that you can only win once in a lifetime. It's a lifetime achievement. And then, you know, today skateboards with your graphics or your name on it aren't as sought after as they were back in the day because the career of an amateur is way longer now. So you could win professional contests as an amateur and stay amateur. Where back in our day, you could not receive any money. If you, you received if you pro. received a dollar, you were now professional. So so we would not receive money until we finally decided to turn. That's why it was such a big deal. All of a sudden- And you couldn't turn it down. It would get, you know, at some point, you couldn't, just couldn't afford to turn it down, right? Well, no, you could because you're, I was 14 years old. <laughs> well, <laughs> Living I, at right, home. but I, yeah. <laughs> but, but at some point for you, you were gonna be too good, you know, but, right? But that's what's happening today. Kids are skating amateur and getting paid. So why turn pro? You know, all of a sudden you turn pro and it's almost like your exit out. 
It's like now you're pro. Then you got to compete against real the pro pros, right or no? Yes, yes. There, okay. there's an element of now you got to really step it up and fit in and become a a legacy. Now it's not just you're getting your wings. It's not just you're you're the rookie of the year. Now it's like you need to make your stamp and you need to really come and let your presence be known in the skateboard world. And it's always with your peers. Like for me, it was never with the crowd. It wasn't with, I always wanted to impress my peers. I wanted to skate with better people than I was. You know, me and Tony Hawk would compete and it was great competition because we were so different in our styles of skateboarding, whether it was technical ability to power and height and, you know, what I did. And, you know, I came from that school. He came from the other school and we battled and that pushed us to be better at both our crafts in the style of you know how we approach skateboarding and that's what'll push you you will never be pushed if you're the best you know what i mean you could end up becoming a teacher you become a mentor but will you grow will you will you have something a higher bar to aim at most likely you'll relax you'll step down and next thing you know the rest comes up and passes you by. And that's not what we wanted to be. We wanted to be on the cutting edge. And that was proven through, you know, almost a decade and a half of skateboarding. We weren't stopping. We were competing. And then the street revolution came in and changed the face of like popularity of skateboarders. And then we had to fight for our own again you know, that vert is the elite skateboard discipline over street or street is over vert. And we're like, no, skateboarding is skateboarding. We do it all. And that's why I street skated and vert skated backyard pool, ditches, flat ground. We did it all just because it wasn't about one or the other. We wanted to be the best at everything. And that's what created our culture and why skateboarding is so unique because it's not just a sport, it's a lifestyle. It's something you do on and off the board, you know? And that's the special factor about skateboarding. How many people think Tony Hawk will win it all? Tell me how many think Christian Assoy will win? This is right now, psyching himself up for what happened to one of the bigger runs of his day. This is it, do or die for both skaters. This is for all the marbles. 455 for Hawk, 456 for Hustle. Everything, you know, I read about you or seem to come across about you has you linked with Tony, Tony Hawk. Mm -hmm. Just as as far as the timing and the ability and all of that. What was your relationship like back in the day? What was it like when you guys were young with one another? Well, it's funny that me and Tony is the only skaters that had their fathers fully involved in their careers. So Tony Hawk's dad was running the NSA contest and organizing that. My dad was running my business and helping me do all the graphics, the designs. We would hand screen the boards in a garage, 2000 boards Man, ourselves, and we would do all the ads ourselves and just that whole process. But to think that our fathers were the really the only ones that I can remember being there showing up to support their children 
and then we became who we became is not a coincidence. I really believe there's a an element of encouragement and support that you know our fathers brought to us that no one else did, you know what I mean? And that's something that I cherish. That's something that I'm always you know, thinking about when it comes to like mine and his career, because of course we had to show up. Of course we had to practice. Of course we had to put in the work. We had to compete. We had to put on the pads. We had to, you know, get hurt. We had to do all those things, but we needed that confidence. And our fathers really gave us confidence in that support that is something worth more than any, you know, um, degrees, any type of money. There's some things you can't buy in a career. And I think that that was one of them. And of course, he was born and raised at Del Mar Skate Park. I was born and raised at Marina Del Rey Skate Park. He had his mentors. I had mine. It was just the right place at the right time. And then when we competed, we were friends. We had no issues, but the fans were just so aggressively rivaling against each other that it was just intense at contest and we we ate it up because it pushed us to fight for something it's like when your fans in football are out there and you're like we're losing and our fans are here they're all painted they're freezing with no shirts on and it's snowing i need to win for them too you know what i mean there's this element of you got something else to fight for other than yourself and i believe that me and tony had that you know in our fans rivalry that you know is something that you know, I'm really starting to put together in my head to put a, a documentary of that together to create. It sounds that, fantastic. And I'm putting that kind of like a script together. That's exactly what I was just thinking of in my mind. Because I'm thinking about, you know, you've got your home skate park. Did you skate better on the road? Did you skate better at home? All of that stuff. And your fans, man, that would be golden. Sign me up already. Yeah, I think people would want to know the nuts and bolts of the backdrop. You know what I mean? Kristen Hosoy is a pioneer of bringing skateboarding into the public eye. Being sponsored by his idols at age 11 is a foreign concept to most, but it's the only life he had to lead. Tony Hawk helped bring skateboarding to the mainstream. They were friends and competitors coming up together. It should have been Christian Hosoy's name hoisted right next to Hawk's. Unfortunately, a pattern of drug use emerged and led Christian down a dark road ahead. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. 
Millions of people have made the switch to Nick Sleek Proof Underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine washable, and great looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. So here on Charges, of course, we talk about the good times, also focus on the dark times as well. Can you tell me about the first time you did drugs? Yeah. Matter of fact, I was probably, say, seven, eight years old, asking uh, me and my friend, Aaron Murray, pro skater, friend of mine, we grew up since we were babies. You know, our fathers are there playing blues guitar in their living room. They're artists. They go to art school. You know what I mean? We grew up in that generation to where it was sex, drugs, rock and roll. And so for us, you know, as kids, we're like, hey, we want to smoke some weed. They're like, here you go. Here's some weed. Here, here's how you don't you don't roll a pregnant joint. You roll it, you know. They taught us how to roll a good joint at yep. eight years old. You know what I mean? And so that's my first, you know, time. And then like, you know, we smoked weed probably if we could every day, every day. So by 10 and 11, I was smoking weed every day. By 12, I'm dealing, you know, dime bags at the skate park. And you're in school. And you're in school, right? Yeah, I was in school, you know, going to junior high, you know, seventh grade. And my dad ran the Marina Del Rey skate park. I mean, I'm smoking weed with all my mentors, you know, Jay Adam. Does he know it? Does your dad know Oh, it? I was smoking weed with my dad. Okay, okay, so, okay. So that's why he gave us the weed. And right, he's like, if it. you're going to do it, do it right. He trusted it. Yeah. Well, he no, he's like, do the good stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't go out and do some bunk and, and get yourself in trouble. And, you know, I see a lot of parents doing that today. They're like, you know what? If you're going to do drugs, do it at home. And I'm like, that's not the best way to do it. You yeah. know, that's the right. kind of like, you know what? I'm going to 
kind of condone you doing this. So for me, it's, you know, I don't condone it. I'm not going to let you do it. You're going to not do it at my house. And if you do it, that's on your time. And I'm just going to encourage you not to do it. What you do at your friend's house when you're not at home, I cannot control. My parents could not control me. And I knew that. And I had to take the chance, you know what I mean, of doing whatever. But I just try to educate my kids on drugs, what they are, what they look like, what they do to you, how they affect you, and the dangers of it. And then, all right, have a good day, son. (laughs) Be good. Be good. Be good. And I think that that's how our fathers back in that day kind of did it. So they kept us close, taught us how, so they don't have to worry that we're going to do something, you know, stupid, smoke some angel dust and not know we're smoking angel dust. You know what I mean? What was the culture around drugs and skating? Because, and I'm not saying it's right, but certainly I think there was a perception about the culture of skating uh, and what came along with it. Well, there was definitely no perception. It was reality, right? It was, you know, from my crew, the surfer skaters and the punk rockers really quickly became the ones that were the risk takers, the ones that were getting crazy. Because then there was the jock, you know, the the freestyle guys that did skateboarding and they did the 360s and the handstands and they wore the short shorts and they got the, you know, the, the uh, uniforms, you know what I mean? And they were like goody two-shoe people. Well, we were the opposite. We were the radicals. We were smoking weed. We were drinking alcohol, chasing girls. We were on the beach. Were there skaters who didn't? Were there successful skaters who didn't? Well, none that hung out with us because, you know, we considered those people kind of like kooks or barnies. You know what I mean? Because it was a lifestyle. We weren't we weren't trying to be professional. We were trying to just live it up and to be the best while living it up. So, you know. There was a lot of, you know, collateral damage. There was a lot of people that were dying. There was a lot of people that were, you know, their dreams were getting, you know, dashed, you know, to Mm -hmm. the ground because they got into drugs. And then there was people who would lose it because they didn't, you couldn't handle the neighborhood. You know what I mean? And all those factors were the ones that we like to break through to be a survivor, to be a person that can make it happen. You know, I can come from nothing and become a rich person. And that's really, you know, I came from nothing. You know, we didn't have money. You know what I mean? We were okay. You know, mom had money to pay her bills and give me 20 bucks every day. You know what I mean? But I was not a well-to-do kid. I fought for everything that I had. And then when I started making 2000 a month at 14, 15 years old on my own, is when I realized that I can do it. You know what I mean? That that I can be a professional business person. And then I started my own company at 17. And, you know, along with all that pressure and fame and being around your mentors, you end up doing things you really don't, you're peer pressured into doing. I smoked more weed. I drank more alcohol. I did cocaine at 13. I did acid at 12. I did mushrooms at, at 13. I was addicted to cocaine at 15, quit at like 17. So, you know what I mean? Doing like how many, I mean, my friends were dads were doctors in Beverly Hills, you know, hanging out with the Pauly Shores and all these crazy kids. We were young, just like free, no parents anywhere doing whatever we wanted. And you so, had money. 
and I had money and I was famous. I had pictures in the magazines. It's, it's a lot of pressure for a young kid. I have no brothers and sisters. So there was no one to like, you know, kick you into, you know, shape or, or to pull you down or pull you up. It was just me figuring it out. And I'm glad I had mentors that were like, you need to be the best Christian. And that's what kind of kept me from going down into gang affiliation, um, being a drug dealer, a hustler, being a, a person who would give it up for a quick dollar. I had a goal. I had a goal. And that was, and it saved, it saved my career. It's the only reason why I have accomplished everything that I accomplished is because, you know, Bruce Lee was, you know, a man of conviction. He was going to do it. Nothing got in. And I studied his life. I studied his work, work ethics. And, you know, I did his stretching before contest and I wanted to just be that elite of an athlete. And, you know, when it started happening and manifesting and I started becoming that, it was surreal because, you know, as the person, everybody's, you're the guy, you're on this pedestal, you're the man, you're dominating, you're winning this and you're cool, you're, uh, you know, all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's such a, like a sigh of relief of all that hard work you put in, but then you got to reproduce that again next month. You got to do it again the next month. You got to go and you got to continue. And if you don't do it, you feel lesser than next thing you know, people are chomping at your heels and you're just like, wow, okay, this is a real game to play. And that pushed me to continue to excel. The perils of pressure for a professional athlete presents enough problems as it is. Christian was facing all of that and was a drug-addicted preteen in the spotlight. It's hard enough for an only child to try and find themselves in adulthood under normal circumstances, but nothing about Christian's life and those who surrounded him was regular. My addiction issues with opioids have been well documented on this show, and we've had all kinds of amazing guests tell their tales of overcoming adversity, but none like this. Unfortunately, no one can see what was coming next. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. 
Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, I know. I think you know. I had a, a problem with opioids for 14, 15 years, uh, painkillers, rehab, three times, and so I asked these questions with all due respect. Uh, I knew from the moment that I, and I didn't. My whole playing career, I didn't take drugs. I didn't do drugs. But the second I took a painkiller late in my career, I knew something was different and something changed. I want to know what that experience was like for you and if that the first time you had crystal meth or any other drug that really sent you to a place where, oh, this is different. This is something I don't know that I can do without. Yeah, I had that experience. I mean, I did speed. I did black beauties, you know, back when I was, you know, in my 15, you know, doing cocaine and all that, you know. We smoked uh, cocaine, you know, freebase. We did quaaludes, you know. I mean, we did so much Could of that stuff. Could you do that stuff. in skate? Yeah, I was 15 years old doing all this stuff. You know what I mean? And I would stay up all night and enter a contest, and then I'd I'd get second place, and I'd be like, how did I get second place? I could have smoked those, you know. You know and, yeah. and, and then I realized I can't do that anymore. That was kind of like one of those uh, moments where me and – me and Jay Adams stayed up all night partying, doing coke with a bunch of people. And I'm like, I got this contest in the bag. Let's stay up all night. I'm going to go skate this contest and win anyway. And I went and I basically fell on an easy trick. And I was like, and I should have won, but I fell on an easy trick. And I was like, I'm never going to do that again. And so- You were embarrassed. No. No? I, no, I was pissed because okay. I know how good I was. You know what I mean? When you know that you could just- beat people when you could stay up all night and on drugs. I mean, you're pretty confident, right? You're, you're thinking I could do this in my sleep, one handed tied behind my back. But then I was like, okay, I'm not Superman. I need to 
really focus and not allow that to happen because that's when I started winning contest was right around then. I was already a prodigy at 12, right? Everyone's saying I'm going to be the best. And so it took me a minute to get there in competition because those guys were already the best and there was a good competition and I had to like step in and become, you know, a kind of refined skateboarder. And so None of those drugs really did it for me. You know, marijuana, I smoked weed every single day. I saw Bob Marley twice. I saw him when I was seven, saw him when I was 11. You know what I mean? So I was a Rastafarian through and through. I thought if there was spirituality, I'm like definitely highly Selassie. You know what I mean? (laughs) I and I, right? And so, um, but then later on in my, I think it was like 1991, I had a girlfriend, you know, in Hollywood, Lou Rawls' daughter, and for three years, and then we broke up, and then I was a single guy running rampant, crazy in Hollywood, like single life, playing the player life, and then everybody's doing free bass, crack cocaine is big with all the models, the actors, and all the industry people, and all the parties, and I was still not into it. I was like, I'm like at a therapy session. All I would do is sit there and have to like talk, talk them off the cliff of depression, talk them off the cliff of like, you know, uh, uh, relationships. And it never affected my brain the way that it affected a lot of my friends where they'd get paranoid. They would get, you know, schizophrenic. You know what I mean? Cocaine did a a number. Ecstasy. I did ecstasy at 15 years old when it was over the counter. And, and so you know, for me, drugs wasn't a big deal because I really didn't lose my mind. When I took acid, nothing melted. When I did mushrooms, I just laughed. So I was fortunate not to have that, you know, well, unfortunate because then I'm a functioning user. So now I can use drugs and it just didn't affect me. But then when I started doing speed and I moved down to Orange County and Orange County was like, kind of like where a lot of the bikers and in the underground scene was like they were smoking speed they were shooting speed they were eating speed it was all different kinds of speed and when i tried that all i did was snort it and i was like dang i'm ripping i'm like killing it whoa all right this is like coffee in a in a in a line and it doesn't make me feel like and i'm not having to like basically therapeutic everyone around me. We all just want to go out and and do stuff longer, faster, and more days in a row. I mean, <laughs> I'd be up for two, three days at a time. You know what I mean? Trying to, you know, find that euphoria of it. But really, I was just a social person. I was into girls, and I would love to talk, and I love to go out, and I love to do things. So, it's what kept me kind of going. Yeah, yeah. The X Games, the first X Games. You know, from what I've read, it seems like it was going to be a big, you know, pretty big deal. You and Tony uh, back together competing again. But then you don't go. You don't go to the X Games. A, why? And then what in your mind were the consequences of you not participating in those first X Games? Because, you know, the speculation seemed to be that you didn't go and therefore somewhat missed out on your rightful place in the minds of people who were, you know, first learning skateboarding was a sport. Well, here I got a possession charge, right? 
having a pipe okay. with some speed. Now I have a misdemeanor uh, drug charge. Then I got another misdemeanor drug charge with it being on probation. And now that is more severe. Now I have a bench warrant out for my arrest, right? And so here I am going to Japan. We're about to go to Rhode Island for the first X Games. I got a bench warrant. I'm not going to go. I'm running from the cops. I'm running from bench warrant. And I was like, you know what? I don't need the X Games. You know what? It looks kind of dorky anyway. It's going to be whatever. And then I saw it on the TV and I was like, yep, there it goes. Kind of dorky skateboarding. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm too cool for school anyway. You know what I mean? I'll mm -hmm. come back when I, when, I, when I get my bench warrants taken care of. Well, I never got my bench warrants taken care of. And I ran from the cops from 95 all the way to 2000 when I got arrested. You got to be kidding me. Ran from the cops. No ID on me. Running around town. No, uh, you you know, know what, though? I, I get it. I get it. Oh, yeah. And I had a 90-day sentence to do that I ran from. Then now I needed to do a six-month sentence because I ran from that. And now I'm just like, I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. what was I, I thinking? It. I was thinking... You know what? I'm living this thrilled life. And this is where the romance comes from when it comes to underground, when it comes to like taking risks. You know, I thought I've never been a bad guy. I've never been a kid running from cops in my life. I paid, I spent 20 to 40,000 a month on my credit cards. I traveled the world with my team. I, you know, I, I never had an issue with money. And here I am now kind of having issues running around the streets, trying to play this, you know, like I'm having a fun time and you think you are, you know, having a fun time because you're doing things that are like risky. I'm running from cops. You know, I feel like I'm kind of like Bonnie and Clyde, you know, going to go rob another bank and can we get away with it? You know what I mean? And I really thought I was having a good time. But as I look back, I can see the, the despair. I could see the wanting, knowing who I was, but not being able to get unstuck. I was stuck in a rut. And that's the two lives that a lot of people live when it comes to this, this addiction lifestyle. You, you get addicted to drugs or alcohol or anything. You could get addicted to money. And next thing you know, it consumes you to the point where you'll sacrifice everything for it. You know, my list of priorities was family, friends, skateboarding, then parties, then drugs and, and all that. That list turned upside down. It was drugs. Then it was parties. Then it was business. Then it was family friends and family at the bottom because you're so shameful you're so you know you're guilty and you're just not the person you, you, you when you know what's good and you know what's right and you've been there done that you've been on pedestals you've been a world champion i know what it takes but at the end of the day i was missing something i didn't have my own identity had been arrested for the same thing in state court, albeit in California or Hawaii, he would have looked at immediate probation or something close to it, even with prior convictions. And it makes no difference your involvement in the case, whether you were a courier or you were a minimal player or you were a significant distributor. It really depends on how the government uh, uh, uses you in the end. And the only way to avoid it in the federal system is you cooperate. His response was, um, I'm not going to rat anyone out. I'm not going to point the finger at anyone, uh, and 
he paid the price. The ultimate irony is that everyone else around him ranted him out. Everyone else around him had no problem pointing the finger at him. So when push came to shove, he was left out in the cold. Let's talk about the Honolulu airport. Uh, what was happening in your life at that point? You're arrested, a pound and a half of, of crystal meth on you. When did it set in like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm probably going to jail? Um, and what happened to you as a person at that point? I've traveled to Hawaii a million times, right? Carried as much weed as I could carry everywhere. I've taken it everywhere around the world to places where you'll get kicked out of countries forever, for life. And so, you know, I just thought, they're never going to check me. You know, they've never checked me before. Why would they check me now? And then little did I know I was set up and that they were waiting for me and all these, you know, agents were waiting for me. And I didn't know. I just thought they were like, handpicking me out of the bunch. You know what I mean? I was like, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, this is illegal. You can't search me. How old were you? 31, 32 years old. And so I'm just sitting there and, you know, I didn't know I'd go to jail for 10 years. You know what I mean? I, I just didn't think so. You know what I mean? But no one informed me of the circumstances. No one informed me of the repercussions. No one informed me that how to deal with a situation when agents come up to you. Because now I'm a professional. Now, if they would have done that to me today, after going to prison, I would have known what to do and they wouldn't have been able to catch me and I wouldn't have been busted and I probably would have been dead or eventually in jail again anyway. So I'm just fortunate that I didn't have that information because it led me to this path that I'm on right now and I'm here on the you know, podcast with you talking about, you know, the charges and, and when they're sitting there telling you, you know, look, Christian, you're not a drug dealer. You're, we know you're Christian soy and you need to, you know, tell us, you know, where you're going, who you're taking. And I'm like, you're crazy. Uh, can't do that. You do the crime, you're doing the time. They're like, well, no one retaliates. I go, well, I'm from Venice Beach, and snitches get stitches. And, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, haven't you watched all the movies? And they're like, you know what, that's the movies. And I'm like, well, 98%, they said, has no retaliation. Well, I told them I fit into the 2%, because if I were to tell on me, it would be a problem. And I'm a good person. I'm not like my friends that kill people for fun. You know what I mean? Just because you don't pay up. You know what I mean? And so I just was like, sorry. And they were like, well, you're going to do it. And that, at that moment, you know, it didn't really sink in until I went in and I walk into the pod where they have all the inmates and these kids run up, Christian Soy, what's up? I'm wow. Like, See, so you're a celebrity, right? When you walk in. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they're like, dude, saw you on the news. You were on the news. Man. What? And I was like, I'm what's sorry. up? And I was like, sick. I was like, so what are you here for? He goes, I'm here for murder. I'm doing a double life sentence. And I'm like, oh, sick. Nice to meet you. Right. <laughs> Just a kid, 21 years old. Right. And he's, I'm like, so what's the deal with my case? They're saying I'm going to do 10 years. And he goes, yeah, brah, easy kind, brah. You'll be out in no time. 10 years, bro, I got 170 years. And I was like looking at him, and I was like, 10 years is good compared to 170. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, wow, you put it that you way. You yeah. put it that way. Dude, I'm out oh, no man. time. But in my heart, I was like sinking, like, this is true. And that's when I really 
started to like think what is going on and you know why me why me yeah when you why showed me? up to prison though what what was it like being finally forced to well to get clean and how did you how did you manage that are there programs you really don't even think about that when you're under this kind of pressure and stress of like oh my addiction and do i need a fix or do i need to or am i going to have any withdrawals that was the farthest thing from my mind but i was never a person who had withdrawals with anything you know yeah, in my see, life you've said that yeah and with speed you just go to sleep you wake up and you're fine you know what i mean i'd stay up for two days i'd go to sleep for 12 hours i'd wake up i'd be a little groggy sleep the next night for 12, and i'm back to 100 you know what i mean because that drug comes in and out of your system within 24 it's like comes in and goes out and so where opiates, it's it's a longer alcohol, longer. All those are just such a longer um, recovery, you know, in, in your say withdrawals, right? So I really didn't have any because I cried out immediately. I'm like, what happened? And then my girlfriend at the time saying, you know what, we just got to trust in God. You know, God's going to help us through. And that's when I went, I need to get a Bible. Went and got a Bible, and. It was like the first time I'm going to open up a Bible in my life. I've been in a million hotel rooms. I've stashed my weed underneath the Bible in the drawer going, protect my weed so that the maids don't steal it. You know, that's about as much you know, of the Bible I knew. Like I opened up it one time, I believe, in my whole life. And I saw columns and numbers with scriptures. And I was like, what? It's like an index. So what a weird, weird book. I guess it's a bunch of like, you know, uh, Buddhism, Taoism, you know, uh, words of wisdom things. And then I just didn't read one word, never read a word in the Bible, never sat there and said, what does this say? And here I am opening it up for the first time, second day in jail. And that's when I had that encounter with God. And it was me reading in the book of Kings where King David was about to die and he's charging his son Solomon. And he said, as if he'll follow the Lord all the days of his life, it'll prosper him, that there'll never be a king not on the throne and you'll, you'll succeed. And I just went, where have I been? How come nobody speaks of these words of wisdom? What was it like for you, you know, You've skated your whole life. I assume they didn't have a, a skate park in the yard. What was it like going to prison and not being able to skate? And then you get out and you can skate again. What was that like? And once you got out, what were your plans immediately right when you got out? Well, you know what? I told God while I was inside, I was like, God, you know what? I'll give up skateboarding. I'll give up my family. I'll go to the, uh, you know, to the desert, I'll go to the jungles, I'll go anywhere you send me, you know what I mean? I'll sacrifice my life, and immediately the Holy Spirit, I'm on my triple-decker bunk bed, by the way, San Bernardino County Jail, and I'm sitting there underneath my blanket where I get with my Bible, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, I gave you your talent, I gave you your family, I gave you your gifts, and I went like this, Wow. I said, you know what? I'm going to be the best skater. I'm going to be the best father. I'm going to be the best husband. I'm going to be the best everything. And then I will also go anywhere you send me and do anything you want me to do. It's like this, you know, this charges with Rex. You know what I mean? Like, here I am. Lord, send me. I'll go. 
here I am stepping into where God will send me to go. And that that was that moment where I was like, you know what? I need to just do what God has called me to do. You know, Christian, I, it's so, so well put. I want to circle back to sports, um, something I'm just fascinated by. You know, I, I was fortunate in sports and had some success, but growing up, you know, you dream of being on the USA team, on the Olympic team. I was a basketball player. I ended up playing on the USA team, but basketball was in the Olympics from well beyond when I was, you know, from the time I was born, it's been going on forever. What in the heck is it like for you to have, I mean, you came along at at the invention of a sport and to see where it's gone from, from when you were nine years old, nine, 11, 12 years old to now almost 54, that what you you were doing in backyard pools and in Santa Monica is now an Olympic sport. How does that feel? How does that make you feel? Well, you know, it's incredible because, you know, when I was 14, I remember saying we should be making as much as basketball players. We should be in the Olympics. And, you know, that was big dreams back then because we were just a rough around the edges sport, barely like getting new equipment, all the equipment, whether it's wheels, trucks, boards, everything was advancing really quickly. The protective gear and all the maneuvers. I mean, everything was advancing so quick from 1980 to like 87, 88, 89. It was astronomical. But to look back and to think about how I felt then, I still feel the same way. I thought that we are the dominant lifestyle sport in the world because it it brings in all the other cultures into it because we are connected to music. We're connected to fashion. We're connected to surfing. We're connected to snowboarding. We're connected to um, almost like it's, it's living. It's not something we pick up and put down and nothing against basketball, football, soccer, you know, or any of these other sports that, you know, they do because some of them are passionate. They go play after work and they do their thing. But skateboarders are like lifers. It's like you're all in. You bleed for this. And, you know, when I, when I think about it being in the Olympics this year, I always thought that, you know what? The Olympics need skateboarding, not skateboarding needs the Olympics. That's been my mentality since I was a kid. Like, <laughs> they wish we were in there. But yeah. We, 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 you know what, we, we, we do our own thing. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't tame this. You can't put us in a box. You can't control us. You can't conform us. We are non-conforming and we are going to be rebels. We're going to be radical. And then how did that do me? Well, I went straight to prison with that lifestyle. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and a lot of my dreams were down the drain and, and, and but God revived them. God supernaturally healed my body, healed my mind, and to come back out and to see skateboarding the way it was and how things were going in the early 2000s to where I actually won a two gold medals at the X Games, you know, in the Legends divisions, the only two years that they had them. And then multiple contests, you know, in our in our careers of just, you know, the legends or they call it the masters divisions and all that. But for it to finally make it 
and to even have a rider from Brazil, Dora Varela was one of my riders that she was a woman who made it into the Olympics in my Brazilian, you know, Hasoi, Team Hasoi uh, division. It was something special. Because I just saw you light up. I saw you light up, right? Uh, oh, you, you yeah. You just got oh, red yeah. cheeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I'm a competitor. Like, competition is in my blood. Like, if we're going to play pool... I'm going to want to beat you. I don't care yeah. if, you know, right. you know, you need some sympathy. I'm going to smoke yeah. you and I'm yeah. going to talk smack doing it. And, <laughs> and, and I'm going to do a triple bumper shot yep. just to like rub it in. <laughs> and yeah. that's just the school man. I come from. And so the Olympics is that stage. It has nothing to do with personality. It's got nothing to do with anything. It's a little bit, you know, uh, difficult when it comes to the process where it's like the qualifications leading up to it, all that stuff is a little bit unusual for a skateboarder because skateboarders are usually... It's a little more formal, right? It it's is just formal. very formal, very controlled, and you have to want it. And if that happened when I, it was my day, I would have quit smoking weed, I would have went for it, and I would have done everything that I could to get that gold medal, because that's that's just who I am. You should be. I, I'm thankful that you're here. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today, man. While I might not ever be able to do uh, any cool tricks on a ramp, uh, I want you to know, man, I do think you're a, well, you're an icon, you're a legend. I think what you've achieved in the sport uh, is absolutely incredible. My door is always open to you. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate that, Rex, and it's a great and honor to be on your show, and I can't wait to do it again and uh, meet you in person and uh, Same. give you a fat hug and say thank you. Same here. Thanks for joining us, Christian. Charges. Sharing our run-ins with the law. Charges. Athletes, entertainers, and ballers. Charges. Every celebrity ain't flawless. Charges. We came a long way from living lawless. Charges. Sharing our run-ins with the law. Charges. Athletes, entertainers, and ballers. Charges. Every celebrity ain't flawless. Charges. We came a long way from living lawless. Charges. Charges is created by Portal A and Control Media. It's produced by DB Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.